0: Just want to introduce our speaker here tonight. I'm not. I'm, I'm not the speaker again. Two services in a row. Well, no, it's been good. <laughs> no, I'm getting. I'm getting ready for Sunday. So, um, oh, and by the way, Sunday we're starting a new series called um, "Ordinary Vessels." So we're going to look at. We're going to look December second all the way through until our Christmas service on the twenty third. We're going to look at the the, the characters of the Christmas story. Mary and Joseph and Zacharias and Elizabeth and John the Baptist and the shepherds and the wise men. We're going to see how God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So that's starting this Sunday. Uh, but tonight, we're going to continue as, as we do on Wednesdays through the Gospel of John. And we're in John 15. And the Lord laid on my heart, um, I don't know, probably two or three months ago, to ask Brother Scott Roten if he would... Share and Brother Scott is a is a pastor. He's been a minister for many many years. You've probably been a minister longer than I've been alive. Not quite that long. I'm 37. Close, 30 years. I was seven years old and is when he started ministry. And so he is a seasoned minister. And I know he's going to do a great job. Him and his family have been here at Living Word for over a year now. And I just feel like that. God has given him a wealth of wisdom and understanding. He is currently seeking his master's degree in biblical counseling. Right? Still undergrad? Well, he's seeking. Okay, for some reason I thought it was master's degree. Are you going to get your master's degree? That's the goal. Yeah, that's what it is. I knew you headed there, but uh, he's still growing. He's still he's still learning. I believe God's got a great word for us tonight. So, won't you welcome Brother Scott?
1: Well, before I set this down, I was looking at it as I was doing my notes. And uh, it made me go back up to my shelf and count. But So I've always done my messages in these type of notebooks. Everybody recognize? So I think I counted 57 of these. And uh, so it was kind of emotional because uh, when I looked down, the last, so the last message that I did was called When the Sun Goes Down. And it was on the 24th of September, 2017. So I get to take my notebook and actually use it again. (laughs) So I'm very thankful for that. And uh, I'm thankful that I get to teach in John. I love that book. Let's go ahead and pray and then we're going to jump right into God's Word. Father, we thank you for your Word. It is life. It is medicine. And those are things that we need desperately. So I pray that your word would find us where we are tonight individually and as a church. But that it would not leave us there. It would take us to where you want us to be. We surrender to your word. We surrender to your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of John is an amazing book. Uh, It's different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And those are called the Synoptic Gospels, but it, it has a whole different ring to it. And it really uh, looks at Jesus in a whole different way. And it, the interesting thing about it is, we've been going through this book now for, I guess, about six months at least, if not longer. And uh, it's an amazing journey that brings us into the deity of a man. He was a man. He became man, the son of man, but yet he was God the Son of God, and that's how John portrays him. So really, I, was, I think I was saying this to uh, Pastor Ben the other day, When you, when you really think about it, there's 21 chapters in the book of John, but the last, from chapter 12 to chapter 21, really deal with the last week of his life. So the majority of the book is dealing with one week, and really, the majority of those are dealing with a twenty four hour span, and that 's where we find ourselves at when we get into john fifteen uh, like really sometimes we need to just back up because we we kind of miss miss the forest for the trees uh, as we zero in on verses, sometimes we forget about the whole context of it, and as we 're going on, I just want to lay that uh that setting once again to to set the scene of where we are. And at the beginning of this night, Jesus had welcomed his disciples into this room on the the night of Passover and he began by washing their feet. What a lesson that was. But it, it didn't end there. Then, John really doesn't go into detail into it, but then he instituted the Lord's Supper. As they sat down for the Passover meal, he changed it into something else. He changed it into something that we celebrate once a month here, the Lord's Supper. And so they, they were sitting at the Lord's Supper, and it was then at the Lord's Supper that he announced that one sitting amongst them was going to betray them. We know that it was Judas. Judas got up, and he left to go do his evil deed. And then Jesus, in chapter 13, in chapter 14, in chapter 15, in chapter 16... He began to teach. And everything that we've been covering. Took place at that table. And then in chapter 17. He offers up what is truly the Lord's prayer. The high priestly prayer. And then immediately after that. He leaves. And goes into the garden of Gethsemane. So that's where we are. That's the, that's the setting as he's doing this teaching. Everyone is around the Lord's table. Where that meal For the first time has been shared. So let's take a look at it in John chapter 15 and verse 18. And now I know that Chuck hides way in there. I got to go up there and see like where all the magic takes place here at Living Word Church. So John 15 and verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world... If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father... The spirit of truth who proceeds from the father he will bear witness about me and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, I just want to like go back into what brother Matt was covering last week and just show you some things real quickly in John 15 and verse 9. I don't think I even wrote these down. Just listen as as I go over this. As the father has listen to the word love As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13. And I love this one. Greater love has no man than this. That someone lay down his life for his friends. And verse 17. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And then we get to verse 18. If the world hates you. So we go from love, love, love. And and I'm going to do it again. If if Pastor Dominic can quote Pink Floyd, I can do some Beatles. All you need is love. All together now. Love, love, love. And that's what he, I mean, he's talking about love. And then all of a sudden it's like a hammer falls. If the world hates you, know, know this, that it hated me before it hated you. So it really like shifts the mood around the table. I mean, he had been talking about bearing fruit and the vine. And some of the greatest uh, passages uh, that we we can come up with there. And then here comes this verse 18. Love, love, love. In John 14, and verse 12, he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. This is the things he was teaching. I mean, you tell me that. You're sitting at the table, and I'm I'm like been walking with Jesus for three and a half years, and I've seen him raise the dead. I've seen him... uh, Cause blind people to see again, to to take someone who's never walked before and heal them. I've seen demons come out of, I've seen him walk on water. I've seen him calm storms. I've seen him do all this stuff. And he says, greater works than these. You're going to do them. And I'm like, I'm positioning myself like, man, this is really, we're here in Jerusalem. And this is getting real. But then he starts talking about hate. You know, I'm not going to like beat the Marine Corps thing to, to death. But when I joined the Marine Corps, a recruiter got a hold of me. And a recruiter told me what it was going to be like. Man, you're going to be, you're going to learn this career. You're going to be able to do this. You're going to go here. You're going to go there and, and you're going to wear this uniform. And you're going to be a Marine, the few, the proud. And he sold it, similar to uh, something in the church we call an evangelist. Make it look good. And that's what a lot of times we do at church. We want people to come so bad that we tell them, God, just come, God has a wonderful plan for your life. It's love, love, love. It's greater works than these shall you do. And, and it's it's blessings and glory. And He came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And all those things are true. But sometimes it's not that wonderful plan that we really wanted. It's His plan. But it's not always wonderful. And Jesus is trying to temper them right here. Wouldn't you, if you were about to go into battle. Wouldn't you want to know the truth about what you're about to face? And that's what Jesus is doing in this portion of John 15. And we see this in uh, parallel in Mark chapter 10 and verse 28. So here's Peter. And I mean, Peter's excited. Everybody has a Peter, right? Right? Peter speaks up and he says... We've given up everything to follow you. A little boasting going on there. Man, Jesus, we gave up everything to follow you. And Jesus said, yes. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property, for my sake and for the good news, will receive now in return. A hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property. Along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. Did you catch that? Persecutions. So, tonight, what we're going to look at ...is an overview of of really what Jesus is warning us about... ...and preparing us for. And it's not all good stuff. So we see again in verse 18... ...if the world hates you... ...know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world... ...the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world... ...but I chose you out of the world... Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said unto you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things will... All these things will they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. So the first thing we're going to look at tonight is the world hates Christians because the world... Hates Jesus. <laughs> we can come up we can come up with all kinds of reasons, but that is the bottom line. They hate you because they hate him. And he said a little bit further down that they hate him without a cause. There's really no reason. We are his church. We are his body. We are his people. We are to be known and to be recognized by love. But the world doesn't. The world hates. In spite of everything that the world tries to do and to make us feel about it, the world hates. I mean, it's Christmas time. And I remember watching commercials, and maybe I'll take some of us back a little bit to a Coke commercial. And, you know, they would all just get together and say, I'd like to teach the world to sing. In perfect harmony. Y'all had great harmony tonight. Now y'all see where Stephen didn't get it from. Harmony in the world is not going to happen. The world hates. The world system is a system of hate. And Jesus is saying that. I I remember uh, the day, September 11th when terrorists hit New York City and the Pentagon. And I remember sitting there in the living room watching those towers fall. And there was one thing that I noticed. You know how sometimes on the news they just keep showing a clip over and over again? Like in a a 60-minute section, you might see that same thing just keep rolling by. And they were showing these terrorists from Al Qaeda training, and they they were showing one of their training videos. And they would they were doing urban warfare, and they would come through the building, and they would round the corner with their rifles, and they would aim in on a target and let out a round, and then they would go on. and We train that way. It's like you come in if. You have to identify a target and take a shot at it. And they were training just like that. But something caught my eye in that video and it was the target. The target was on the back wall and it was a cross. The target was a cross. And that's not just picking on the Taliban or Al-Qaeda You're going to see more of that as Christmas season starts. Every year we see more of a war on Christmas. Hey, that's fine. I think it's a little bit too commercial anyway. But you know what? They want to just wipe it out. And instead of calling it Christmas, let's call it Xmas. And instead of calling it Thanksgiving, let's call it Turkey Day. Let's just wipe out all reference to Christianity. I remember another thing. I remember seeing this bumper sticker on this vehicle. And maybe you've seen it. And it says, coexist. Wouldn't that be wonderful? If we could just coexist? But there's too much hate in the world for any of us to coexist. And the world hates us. No matter how much concessions we we, uh, give, they're still going to hate us because they hate Jesus. And this coexist thing, I don't know if you've seen it, but each letter represents A major religion. So, there's Christianity. There's Judaism. There's Islam. There's Buddhism. There's Wiccan. And all of these symbols make up this thing to coexist. But I want to tell you, it's not going to happen. The world is a system that is operated under the domain of Satan and it is opposed to God. It is opposed to everything good. It is, and essentially it is opposed to God and the rightful and righteous king of this world, Jesus Christ. In 1 John 5 and 19, we see these words. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of of the evil one. Don't forget that. Jesus is reminding of that in, in chapter 15 tonight. He's like, don't forget the world lies in the power of Satan. It's in opposition to me. He hates me. The world hates me. So you could ask somebody. You could leave here and ask them, somebody at work tomorrow. Somebody who's not a Christian or or maybe is just religious or maybe is atheist or or whatever they might uh, identify as in this, in this day and age, ask them, do you hate Jesus? And there's a good chance they're going to tell you no. I don't hate Jesus. Just don't be pushing that stuff on me. I mean, that's fine for you to believe. Just, just don't come on my side with it. Like, I don't hate him, but no, nah, it's, it's good for me, but don't be so fanatical. Keep that stuff in church. Don't bring that stuff here to work. Do you worship Satan? <laughs> How many people would actually tell you they worship Satan? So you'd get the same responses from them. So why this question? Why, why this insistence from Jesus that the world hates? He who hates you hates Jesus. And he who hates Jesus hates the Father. Why are they in that category? If they would tell you, no, I don't hate Jesus. There's no neutrality. There's no fence. There's no such thing as sitting on the fence. I'm I'm, I'm independent. I'm staying out of it. I'm neutral. Jesus says, no, it doesn't work that way. In Matthew 12 in 30, he made it clear. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30, look at this. He says, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. You're either with him or against him. There's no fence. There's no gray area. There's no, like in, in Korea, between North and South Korea, since that, you know, that war never ended. We may have some Korean War vets that still are here in the church. I know that uh, James Cobb is one. That war never ended. There's still a no man's land that is full of minds. And nobody can cross. If you get into that no man's land, you're, you're seriously uh, in that gray area where, where you can get in trouble. It's not a no man's land. You're either on one side or you're on the other. And Jesus made that clear. black or white and everything is tolerated I mean think about it today the world will tolerate anything except Christianity except Christianity so we look at the second point tonight is that the world hates because the world doesn't like to be exposed. Now let's look at that in John 15. Once again, verse 22 through 25. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me, hates my father also. If I had done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. To see and to hear. And to witness the things that they saw and heard. Can you imagine? Sometimes we we read this and and we forget it, it really happened. And we forget the way life really happens. How many people knew and went to Lazarus' funeral? How many people saw him placed in the tomb dead? And how many people saw him come out of the grave? How many people witnessed the things that happened when Jesus walked the earth? and And you know, even if they didn't witness it, you know we can't keep a secret. They didn't have anything else to do but talk. (laughs) They didn't have Walmart, so they did have to kind of like form. But they didn't have any TVs. They didn't have Playstations. They talked. And I'm sure the buzz was always about this prophet. This man, Jesus. And the things that he had done. And they saw all of these things. They had solid evidence. And yet they still refused to believe. Think about it. We saw earlier. He's the bread of life. He fed a multitude with hardly nothing. They saw the miracle of food being multiplied before their eyes. And yet just a day later. Many of them left. And followed him no more, because he refused to feed him again—a physical meal. They had missed the entire point. They saw it all, and yet they didn't believe. Why? Why? John three and verse nineteen has a really a really good hint to what was going on. Right at the beginning of our study of John, y'all remember this. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. The bottom line the world hates. Because the world doesn't like to be exposed. And the light exposes sin. And many of us enjoy sin just a little bit too much. And the world enjoys sin a whole lot. I'm kind of a nerd. I, I try to read at least a book a week. So... Like my goal is 50, at least 50 books a year. So and I'm constantly reading. Like you ch- you change channels, I change books. And so I've read a lot of like crazy stuff. But uh, anybody here a fan of Plato? Oh, I got one. I guess we don't have any Plato. Uh, no philosophers here tonight. But uh, Plato, he was a pretty smart guy. He wrote this work called Apology. And one of the main characters in Plato's Apology is Socrates. And Socrates had this way of getting under the skin of the political establishment. And so Plato uh, describes Socrates as a gadfly. Anybody know what a gadfly is? It's a horsefly. Yeah, you know, you've been in the pool and a horsefly, like, well, they, they will... They will bug the daylights out of you, right? They're they're just pests. And so Socrates is explained as a gadfly, this horsefly. And so in this, uh, Socrates is put on trial by the politicians of his day. And in his defense, this is what he says. He says, if you kill a man like me, you will injure yourselves more than you will injure me. And then he goes on to talk about the role of a gadfly. And he says, the the role is to sting and whip them into a fury. All in the service of the truth. And that's what light does. Light will whip and stir the world into a frenzy. All in the service of truth. There's, there's an application for us that as, as uh, believers, as men being accountable to men and women being accountable to women, which I have learned a lot of lessons about in the last year. And this is one of my favorite of the book of Proverbs. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. A true friend will tell you the truth. They'll pride you and poke you and let you see wh- where and who you really are. And, and so you need that. And we need that in, in society. And we need it in the church. And the truth is that a Christian life that is well lived. Is a condemnation to the world. And that's why they hate Jesus. And that's why they couldn't, they couldn't handle the light. They didn't want the light. They didn't want to come to the light. They hated the light. Lest their work should be exposed. So, we ask the question then, do you reflect the light that exposes darkness? In your life, do you reflect that light that exposes darkness? Look at Matthew chapter 5. verse 11, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. (laughs) Kind of seems weird, huh? Blessed or rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, let's be clear about something. Never, ever, ever should we be a source of offense Through insensitivity, through rudeness, through obnoxiousness. Never let these things be said of us in exposing the darkness. We have to conduct ourselves with wisdom, we have to conduct ourselves with grace, we have to conduct ourselves, above all things, with love. That's what Jesus had told them previously. Love one another. This is how. This is how they're going to know you by by your love, love, love. And they'll be tolerant. But you know, we sing that song here. I think Stephen sang it uh, once. Uh, I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. But if you finish that verse and you say, and no one comes to the Father but by me, then they have a problem. When you make Christianity exclusive, in which it is, there is no other way. There is no other way. Then they will have a problem with you. He's the only way. But we have to ask ourselves, when we're at work, and I can say I'm probably guilty, Do you laugh at those kind of off-color jokes? Or do you watch those things that you shouldn't be watching? I want to raise their hands about maybe seeing 50 shades of something. I didn't think so. Uh, have you ever added a couple of hours to your timesheet that you didn't actually work see it, it's hard not to compromise no, we can't compromise that's why we need to be accountable to each other and Jesus is saying you're going to a war they will look for every little they will look for every little chink in your armor Don't be surprised that the world hates you. They hated me first. Verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Sometimes we just like to get a little bit too cozy with the world because if you're like me, that's one of my character flaws. I want everybody to like me. The world's not going to like you if you're living a consecrated, righteous life as a Christian. See, the the world likes... This may sound weird, but the the world does like order. The world likes patterns. The world likes boxes and labels. It likes to, to know where everything is supposed to be. And when we don't fit into the mold of the world... Then we're going to have problems. You see, Christians and the Christian life is really a life of nonconformity. Doesn't the word of God tell us to come out from among them? So there's a separation that has to happen. And it takes courage to be different. It really does. I was thinking, uh, reading about this one guy. let see what his name was. His name was Jonah Hannaway. You all know who Jonah Hannaway was? He was a great guy. He was an inventor in England... and he invented the umbrella. Thank the Lord for umbrellas. Sunday, I needed my umbrella. Right? So, the first time he invented an umbrella... He put that thing up and it started to rain in the streets of England. And he says, I'm going to try out my umbrella. And he walked out into the market with his umbrella. And everybody saw this guy with this funny looking thing. And they're all getting wet and he's got it. And do you know that they began to stone him and throw rotten vegetables at him? (laughs) They like literally assaulted him. Because he was different. Because all of a sudden here is someone doing something different. So, I want to ask, what are you being conformed to? I need to hurry, I know. And I'm going to finish up. Because I, I don't want to abuse this privilege. <laughs> but what are you being conformed to? Besides that, we've got to go get our kids at Elevate. It's a real reason. So, in Romans 12, chapter 12 and verse 2, let's look at those two scriptures real quick. And, and Romans 12 and 2 and Romans 8 and 9, they kind of contrast... What are you being conformed to? Y'all know this one, right? Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And then watch the contrast in verse 8 and 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So you're going to be conformed to the world, or you're going to be conformed to Christ? What are you working on today? What are you going to work on tomorrow? Paul is urging us not to be conformed to this world, but it's already been predestined that we should be conformed to the image of Christ. So, last, so uh, despite the world's hate, My last point on that outline, despite the world's hate, we must proclaim the truth in love by the power of the Spirit of God. And look at it in in verse 26 here. Uh, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, I really never saw this, this tie to hatred and persecution and the witness of the Holy Spirit, but I found it all over the Bible. So just take a look at that in your Bible study. But this is the overarching mission of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we, we have lost uh, with so much foolishness what the Holy Spirit is really for. The Holy Spirit is to convict us of sin, righteousness. The Holy Spirit here his overarching mission is to testify of what Jesus Christ has done. That's what the Holy Spirit's primary mission is. It is the Spirit that draws. It is the Spirit that lifts him up. And It actually says in the New Living Translation that he will testify all about me. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 22 I didn't... uh, Get the scripture written down, but you can look at this later. We are witnesses of these things, Peter said. Now, here Peter is. uh, Fast forward just a a few months later. He has been called on the carpet by the ruling council of the Jews. He's standing before the high priest. And he says to the high priest, we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, who is given by God to those who obey him. Just exactly. Jesus said, they're going to hate you. They're going to persecute you, but know that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he will testify of me and you will testify of me. They work together. How does the Spirit of God testify of Jesus? He does it through you. And how do you testify of Jesus? You do it because you have a helper. You do it in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. So there's a partnership. He's one called alongside. He's the paraclete. And so, as we testify, he's testifying. And as he testifies, we testify. In Mark chapter 13, verse 9, But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to the councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial to deliver you over, do do not be anxious beforehand what you are Going to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end shall be saved. I wish I had more time to just talk about the history of the persecution that arose just years after Jesus left this earth. And Christian, early Christians were called cannibals. They were called immoral people who took place in orgies. They were called the worst of things. They were, they were hated by the Romans and a lot of it was instigated by the Jews. But we see once again in verse 27. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So our last scripture is in First John Chapter 1 and verse 1. I love this. It says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. Which really is living word. What have you heard? What have you seen? I think about Peter. Peter. He's on the boat and the boat is sinking and and then here comes Jesus walking on the water another time and Peter gets out and he's walking on the water and then when he got his eyes off of Jesus he began to sink and this guy is now standing before magistrates. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's got the paraclete. That's the difference. Now he's not cowering around a campfire denying Jesus. He's not... Acting rashly with his sword, chopping ears off. No! He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and now he's able to proclaim and testify of Jesus in such a powerful way. It changed him. The way to handle hate, the way to handle hate, the way to handle hate is what Jesus gives us at the end of chapter 15. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. That's the paraclete we need. Let's be dismissed in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. Help us, God, to be ever mindful of the snares of the enemy. He lays traps for our soul each and every day. He wants to destroy our witness. But our story is your story. And the only victory we can have is because of what you have done for us. God, don't let us live in such a manner where we fall into that trap of being conformed to this world. But I pray you would transform us by this word, this living word. And I pray, God, That we would be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That our character would become more like His. Each and every day. Thank you for your word. Let it change us. In Jesus name. Amen.